Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to Britpop. It's me, Chris. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Leverage, aka Kermit from Black Grape. It's an amazing, candid conversation with Paul about the Ruthless Rap Assassins, which is his first hip-hop group the disbanding of that group and then meeting Shaw Ryder and Bears and forming Black Grape he talks about writing getting signed the music business in general we jump straight into it there's no introduction so it's not the usual intro anyway I'll be back at the end of the conversation to talk about social media and all the other stuff as per the norm uh, until then here's Paul so it'll be just a little easy chat really all about sort of you know your musical influences how you got into hip-hop and rap and the early days with the ruthless rap assassins um going dancing in the clubs when i was young and then uh, the electro started coming out we uh this crew came over from america called wls wlsk i think a break dancing crew and we saw them and we were like fuck <laughs> Let's do that. So we started breakdancing and getting into hip hop and um, and that, you know, um, Broken Glass from, a few of us from Broken Glass, hip hop um, breakdancing crew, you know, we were the breakdance crew for the Hacienda and, you know what I mean, we travelled all over the place. It was really, it was a real eye opener. But from doing that, I did, um, uh, Morgan Cam was putting it together there. UK Electro album, you know, because the Electro albums were big at the time, yeah? And he's putting the UK Electro album together. Uh, but there weren't that too many people doing Electro in the UK. So he had a few tracks. So uh, he spoke to Greg and Martin that used to be in Swing Out Sister. And um, basically blagged that there was this Electro scene in England by doing all these tracks. And one of the tracks was in Style of the Street by Broken Glass, yeah. which is when I did the very first, it was my very, one of the first raps I wrote, it was really, oh, it's quite cringy to listen to it now. Don't you dare play it after this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was quite cringy, you know, but it, it was on a UK Electro album, you know what I mean? And, and sometimes I still get props for it sometimes. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was one of the first, really. So that, that set me on to writing raps. And I hung out with a guy called Chunky, and we used to write raps together and like go to clubs and bully their DJs to fucking play the instrumentals and we'd just start rapping. And no one was doing this much up and down the country at the time, you know what I mean? So I got it pretty early, really. You know, lyrical influences then in terms of what content you were trying to put over in your, in well, your music. Well, in the early days. Yeah. It's just my house, man. Yeah. Everybody have a good time, you know what I mean? Wear their light ones, their bright ones, drink some, you know what I mean? Think and get pissed and let's... It was basically just party raps at the time. And I met Anderson and Carson, and Anderson moved in underneath me one day. Yeah, I moved in and I heard somebody playing music underneath me. And it was Anderson. And I didn't, didn't, he wasn't really a mate, but I knew him. You know, I, I, I had a thing for his sister years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, we just started talking all that. He was into hip hop, I was into it. He had some decks. I had tunes and mics and that. So we just started messing around together, doing things. And then we started doing these parties, college parties. I mean, we were the first ones to do the kitchen after the Hacienda and all that. We made that, you know, we human that. Mm. We gave And so we started doing that, doing these college parties and all that, and writing raps and putting on these events and doing different things at different places around, you know, around the Manchester and that. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We've got a little name for ourselves, you know, in 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 the Manchester and all that. And then uh, I remember I sent a tape to Greg of some demos we've doing doing because we we thought we're going to start making our own tracks now instead of rapping over other people's music and just rocking the crowd because like we wanted to say something as well. Actually, you know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah. Thought, oh, really like say stuff you know what i mean like you know so we, we we got into writing our own tracks and um, i sent this demo to greg of four four tracks i think it was and he, he got back it's like oh what he's doing and things happened and then the next thing we were we were recording an ep and we got signed to emi you know what i mean mm. major record label back then about the first rap assassin album, critically acclaimed, but you know it was a bit, it's a bit too black, too strong in parts. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, oh, you know, like people were like, oh, right on for it, but a lot of like the radio and all that, they were a bit, oh, you know, like it was strange because like coming from Manchester and that, and like uh, there's a lot of people from Manchester that are really successful from um, known for a certain scene. But the thing is, right, all them people were coming out and hanging out in the mosque and human all that, hanging out um, in the black side of town and, and picking up things from there, you know what I mean? So, mm. you know, and then, it, you know, it, it gets bastardised and, uh, and rehashed and then the next thing, you, it, and then it's Manchester. Do you know mm. what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I mean, we used to go to Hacienda and it was empty. No one used to go. We used to have the whole floor to break dance and do what we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, this happened, you know, the drugs came into it and it just fucking went insane. You know, it, it, yeah, it just went insane. You enjoyed quite a bit of success then with uh, the Rap Assassins, but it, you kind of disbanded a bit later on, didn't you? And this is when kind of Black Grape came about, kind of, with like a bit of a, you had a bit well, of a hiatus. Yeah, well, Black Grape. <laughs> Really, at the time, me and Sean was we're, we're, we're drug buddies, you yeah. know. He'd been kicked out of his band. I'd been kicked out of my band that we both started. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because we were a bit full on. So in a way, it was kind of like him. Um, it was like a vengeance group. Yeah, yeah, we'll show them. But we never got around to doing anything. Really, we just ended up getting fucked up for months and months and months of them. Like we are, and then um, we decided to get some demos done. You know, phoned up a few heads that we know. I phoned Jed, um, he's, he's the drummer for rap, the Rap Assassins. Now he's played for Peter Gabriel, actually. Brilliant drummer, Jed Lynch. Yeah, and uh, Craig Gannon, the Smiths, um, the guys from Interstellar. Yeah, so the, and Horse as well, Sean's brother, but they argued like fucking, he couldn't come back. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and then we managed to get these demos together. And then um, Gary Kirchhoff heard him. He ran Radioactive um, in the States and all that. He's like, oh, I'll give you an album deal. Oh, these are brilliant tracks. Okay. And he said, um, but you need a producer. We were like, oh, right. So he said, um, Adrian Sherwood was suggested to us and Danny Sabre. And uh, we went down, we met Danny. And uh, we went, and, you know, we did a bit of work with him and it went really well. You know, I mean, sure, the lazy bastards back then, you know what I mean? Like, we, we just did what we needed to do. You know? So it was a case of like, oh, we're, we're good with Danny. So we didn't, 
we didn't um, go and go and meet Adrian Sherwood, and it's something that I've always felt bad about ever since. Because right. I love his stuff. But Danny was perfect for Black Grape. I have to, he was perfect for it. Even if I could say that now, I didn't know that then. I just thought, oh, this is a really cool guy. Can't be asked fucking traveling down the other end of the country to, to, to do three more meetings about going to the studio. I'm staying here. You know, it was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Right here and it's, and it's working, you know. And if it's working, what's the fucking point in fucking going, getting off your ass and going searching for something, do you know, if it's already working where you're at? Were you conscious about kind of, at the time, obviously the music was quite different. It was, a, it was a, like a melting pot of different influences and lots of different sounds. It was... Black great. Yeah, yeah. And it was like an oh, anti, yeah, yeah. anti-Britpop. We were into lots of different stuff. We were into, you know, we used to listen to hip-hop. We listened to punk, we listened to metal, we listened to jazz. We, me and John, seriously, we used to get off our fucking heads all day and just listen to every genre of music you can think of. I watched yeah. Star Trek and sci-fi movies. <laughs> That's all we did for months. And, and, and um, you know, and talk, you know, you know, we would philosophize, you know, the, that first break, Black Grape happens. Um, it's got a lot of religious themed tracks because we were, you know, we, we were searching, we were searching, we were, you know, we were both yeah. suffering from existential angst, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Did you, were you quite conscious as well that you wanted to do something that was, you know, very different to what was being kind of played in, in, in Britain at the time? Obviously we had the, the massive Britpop kind of That's the thing, theme. we didn't, we weren't really sort of like paying attention to what anybody else was doing. Yeah. We decided to do our own thing. And like the, what we kept on saying is like, oh, we got across the, the ghetto boys with the beach boys via the Rolling Stones. And do you know what I mean? A bit of Led Zepp and a bit of this. We had all, we had all these like things, uh, you know, le- all f- fucking putting through the Lee Scratch Perry fucking um, mincer. So we had all these fucking ideas and, and we did kind of put, manage to do that. And I, I'm proud of that fucking first Black Grape album, man. Did you know you... what I mean? There's not many houses I don't go to that I don't see on their CD fucking stand or whatever. Yeah, it was you know that, I mean? it was a, a, a it was almost like a it was a bow out of the blue it was a, it was a real sort of oh, fresh and, was. and um, I, was. <laughs> I, I remember just being blown away by everything about it really just you know I, I, I guess I was I was aware of hip-hop and rap when I was in sort of my teens and early 20s but I wasn't into I wasn't aware that we, there was as many sort of great British bands and British rap music out there and I think you opened up a quite a, a doorway in terms of what was out there. And um, I'm glad just, that, you know. just the funk, it was just all the, I mean, oh, yeah, that, that, that album is like, <laughs> you know, it's got fucking serious grooves on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you sit in the studio with the stems of that track and strip them back and you're like, fucking hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Serious, man. Were you always kind of sure that the content or the, the product was was good and did you or were you ever unsure about whether you were going to do anything with it no we knew we had um, a, a really good album right see the, the kool-aid the acid test for me was like going to see greg wilson i hadn't seen him for a while and, yeah i've been fucking doing all this and he'd managed the rap assassins and it all ended badly you know and, and, mm. and i'd become a heroin addict and blah, all this shit happened yeah mm. i went to see greg in, um, in liverpool and I had a cassette of the album, monitor mixes, 
and I played it to him and he was fucking blown away. And it's mm. not often that I've seen Greg blown away and he knows his music, you know what I mean? Fuck yeah. <laughs> it was like um, the Sex Pistols, I guess, in a way. There was a punk element to it. And I think every time you kind of were on, from my memory anyway, any time I saw you live or on the telly, because, I mean... Yeah. On the it, telly. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like... Um, uh, I don't know, punk element to it, isn't it? Because you never knew really kind of what you were going to get up to. And... Because we're agents of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We laugh in the flames, man. I think, um, wasn't, it, wasn't it you guys that, that kind of put an end to TGI Fridays as well with that uh, pretty vacant... Um, don't be blaming course. me. Don't be blaming me. <laughs> don't, man. don't blame me. You know what I mean? I never forget the uh, the bit where was, you know, I remember him swearing about the the Patrick Cox shoes, but then they they put you <laughs> they put you back fifteen minutes just to sort of do the swearing, and you come on doing pretty vacant, and it was amazing. We're going to do pretty vacant. We need to, you know, it's not yeah, like yeah. <laughs> not like they were ignorant of the facts, and and we switched the tracks on them, and you know what I mean? They knew what to expect. You know what I mean? It's all it's all bread and circuses, man. Theatre, man. You know what I mean? And like too many people take it too seriously though. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, yeah, just... You know, only the 90s, but it was a different time in terms of, you know, what what, um, what, what broadcasters, what people were thinking they could get away with because you had the word, you had other, obviously great other music music programs. So as you say, took themselves quite seriously, but there was an element of like a, you know, the BBC and and Channel 4. Yeah, yeah, there was them. Trying and, to and then, trying to get something a bit risky and youth yeah, uh, on the TV. Yeah. It was youth TV grown up, let's say. You know, because, because we were doing, the stuff we were doing was different from what everybody else was doing at the time because you had your blurs and you had um, your pulps and you had your certain bands and we kept on getting lumped in with all this stuff. But we would say, no, we're not, we're not that type, we're not that. We are a fucking hip hop act. Well, this is this is this is our version of hip hop. Did you find it quite difficult to to write the second album, Stupid, 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 or was it something? Did you have a lot of stuff going on or or, or tracks? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we had too much money. <laughs> <laughs> we had too much money. Too many people around us with opinions that um, wanted to carry on eating at the same level instead right. of letting us grow. That's why I mean. That's why I mean. Sean fell out big style because of other people. You know what? That's all water under the bridge. Did you find it obviously the pressure of like trying to release a second album or get 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 something that was successful? Was that quite a challenge, or did you get? Was that well, causing I'd got, friction? I got set to see man on tour, and I died. And I died twice. That's to bring me back twice. So when we were doing the second album, I had just got out of not not too long out of hospital and I flew to LA. I was really fucking ill and you know what I mean? Then we yeah. went to real world to do the um, football song with Joe Strummer and that and Keith Allen and yeah, it just, you know, it got a bit weird for me Yeah, and things got weird and you know, too much money and too many people saying yes to your stupid ideas. It's like, hold on, hold on a minute. You want to do what? <laughs> you know there was none of that there was none of that you know what I mean but that's what happens when you give a load of young lads loads of fucking money yeah you know 
and as many drugs as they want. You know, with Sean and me, you know, our other bands had both burnt out because of the because of drugs. Mm. So really and truly, the record company should have looked and gone, we see you need someone around them that understands this and can can um not even damage control, just making sure there is no damage, there is no do you know what I mean? But they didn't do that. It was like, yeah, yeah fucking have fun, guys. You split, didn't you, around the very late 90s? Or was it early? early oh, yeah, we split. We split. You know, it was second album, and then it was went on the touring that, and it was just fucking horrible. And then fucking showing, I'm sucking all the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all this shit. And then I, I was on the tour bus, and I was like, and we was coming to, Ma- was coming to Manchester. And I went, as I said to the time, I can't fucking do this anymore. I just can't. Yeah. I've had enough. I'm done. And that was it. And what? then I didn't see Sean for, oh, about, I don't know, about, must be about 12, 15 years. And then I, I was backstage at this, uh, at, a, at a Snoop Dogg gig and Sean come walking around the corner with his missus. Do you know what I mean? And we sort of like went nose to nose, like, oh. And like, but it was like, oh. Your vibe feels different, and he, he he sort of was like the same. Oh, your vibe feels different. He's like, oh, okay. It was tentative steps after that to make sure that we were, you know, because we've both grown up. So those years in between, like uh, sort of ninety eight to to when you kind of met and you got back together for the sort of third album, were you 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 got into sort of um, sort of poetry in, in in essence as well. Yeah, well, I, I did an album <laughs> called Big Dog. Um, I had a band called Big Dog with um, Jed Lynch. He was the drummer of the Rapid Assassins and Black Grape, and we was talking about before. Who plays for Peter Gabriel? He's a fucking brilliant drummer, absolutely. Yeah. With him, Danny Williams, who was the bass player for Black Grape as well, and another guy called Mark Jones, and, and another guy with Johnny, um, a keyboard player, amazing keyboard player. And we had this band called Big Dog. After the Black Grape stuff, got a deal with Jive Records and everything, but. Um, but um, I'd had enough of being a slave. I felt like a slave when I was with uh, EMI, with the rap assassins and certain things. And with the black grave and things. I was sick of fucking being controlled. That's the last time. That's the last time I ever fucking signed a record deal or anything. Do you think I mean, the music... Go on. Do you, I was just saying, do you think it's different now for artists then in terms of control and, well, and saying? You've control now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can put out your own stuff. You know, they've got the tools. We never had the tools, man. Yeah. We never had the tools, you know, we, you know what I mean? Like, when we started making the Rap Assassins, making our fierce beats, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we were fucking, you know, editing tapes together and shit, you know, press pause and, and stuff. We didn't, we didn't have any samplers. It wasn't until we got, the, after we finished the first album for EMI, no, yeah, after we'd finished the first album for you, that was when we started getting proper gear. That mm. first Assassin's album was fucking... It's, it's, it's William it's William Blow's rap, man. It's cut and paste, man. You've had, like, a, obviously a very turbulent musical career. But when you look back at it now, do you kind of... Does it kind of all fade, the, the bad times and, and, the, and the issues that you've had with record companies and, and rights and control and things? And do you look on it still? Oh, racism, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out and out bleeding racism. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, wow. But things are changing. Well, not completely, but you know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah. Say what you're saying. Say your question. Say what you're saying again. Just about really whether you you look on it back on it with any kind of fondness at all. And I know it's a difficult turbulent first year. Of course, of yeah, course yeah. I look on, on it with fondness. It's nostalgic, you yeah, know. Yeah. But when when you look at the root of words and you see nostalgia, literally translates as a return to pain. You think about nostalgia differently. Yeah. You yeah, feel yeah. <laughs> You've got a tour next year with 2021, which is kind of a, a kind of reunion tour, isn't it, with regards to the first album? Well, yeah. Well, um, this year is the is the 25th anniversary. Wow, of that yeah. first black black grape album. So we were supposed to be touring now. We were supposed to be doing loads this year, mm. and then you know, COVID happened. So everything got pulled. So I think we do, you know, if we can next year, do a little one, you know. But um, yeah, at the moment, it's all about in lockdown and all that. Um, right, I've been, been writing a show, man. Oh, right, yes. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. What, what's, what's, that, what's that been like for you? It's been really fucking cathartic. Yeah. It's been like the best therapy session ever. It's experiences that I've had. I do a lot of um, esoteric stuff, you know, and hang out with strange people in strange places and do strange things sometimes. And you know what I mean? And I've just, I'm trying to put, I'm putting, I am putting this, uh, I can't explain what it is. You know what I mean? When, when it's done, you can come and, you can come and see me perform it. It really sort of involved rap and spoken word then. Is that kind of the oh, idea? Oh yeah. yeah. Everything, yeah. everything, yeah. everything, you know? Even cockalty bread. <laughs> Is it? Do you think you'll get sort of more um, writing done with the Rap Assassins or, or Black Grave? Is there any plans to do anything with these guys again? Or? Well, we were supposed to start, go back in the studio and do the fourth Black Grape album. Um, at the end of the summer, we were supposed to start it, you know, but because of COVID and all that, you know, we don't, you know, gone to Spain and, and worked with youth again because youth did a great job with the, the last album, Pop Voodoo. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we were supposed to start it this year, but, you know, I yeah. spoke to Sean um, a bit ago when he was talking about uh, um, getting, getting um, over to Spain at um, the beginning of um, next year, like January, February, trying to hit the ground running. And so I guess everything's shelved, isn't it, in terms of that? And we have to hope... Oh, hope yeah. you... oh God. It's fucking insane, isn't it? I mean, like, do you know what killed me? Thursday, Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. Because I would always be out doing shit those days. I'd be, be, you know, performing somewhere, doing a gig somewhere, just out having a dance somewhere on those nights, usually. Yeah. In, in, in the old world, you know, we slipped into a new dimension, man. You know what I mean? It's a negative reality inversion, man. Do you think it'll ever recover, uh, you know, the music industry and, the, and venues? No, never. Because uh, the memory of this will be, of, of this experience to a lot of people will be very long and far reaching. I mean, our kids will remember this. So this is going to have a long memory. Keep you two metres apart. You know, at least people are starting to understand about personal space now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, I can breathe, man. Yeah. Well, like, for people like us, um, like artists and all that, like, the first lockdown was like, 
why is everybody fucking worried? Because they have to sit in their houses and think. I have to do that every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. But like, you know, it's just like, oh shit. Uh, if you could choose a track from any of your kind of the albums that you've made and the songs that you've written that you just I love. The best, that you, the, the best live performance or the best live track that you could... Little Bob off the first Black Grape album. Yeah. Boom! It's louder and louder and bad. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. That's a fucking stomper for me. <laughs> and it is... It, and and, and um, the sax solo on the end of that, on, the, on that first album, you know what I mean? Like, whenever I listen to it, I name Martin sat solo at the end. It just gives me shivers. But he used to do that every night. Yeah. He top it. He used to top that every fucking night. So, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, little Bob, man, straight away. Well, Paul, it's been fantastic speaking to you about... Oh, you know, blessings, man. It's, you know, you, you know it's, it's been an hour out of my day. It's been very interesting and... Yeah, well, I've really yeah. enjoyed it, and 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 thank you for being so open and, and candid and and talking about Black Grape and, and the ruthless rap assassins. I reckon we could probably do a podcast series on you, to be honest. I know you could, mate. <laughs> well, I'll let you go, Paul. Thanks yeah, again. Man. It's been really great. All right, then. Blessings, brother. Massive thanks to Paul for coming on the show. He was an absolute gent and uh, a great guest. So, just some housekeeping at the end, as I always do. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to leave a review or a rating on apple podcasts that'd be fantastic as it really helps as i say every week if you'd like to buy me a coffee you can do so on the ko-fi page the links in the show notes uh, is three pounds and it's a one-off payment you can do that if you want to that really helps just pay the server bill on social media you can follow me on twitter instagram and facebook thanks again for listening really appreciate your support see you on the next episode Bye.